of the living geek. Moshi Moshi, and welcome to episode 24 of Super Segoy Cast. I'm Justin. And I'm Alex. This week we're going to finish up our look at Yoamushi Petal. We're going to look at episodes 7 through 12 of 38. Wow, that's a lot of episodes. It is. I don't think I realized there's 38. No, yeah, we've only gone through like a third of the first season. <laughs> yeah, um, actually it's gotten better. It has. I mean, it's a little slow for me still, mm-hmm. like, being a third of the way through the season, not a whole lot has happened, but, I mean, it's not a bad show by any means. No, I feel like they're definitely trying to establish, like, the story right. a lot more than just going, like, hey, here's the student, he made the team, he's part of the team, they win. Yeah, like, I appreciate the fact that they're giving us so long to learn about the characters mm-hmm. and everything like that. I'm just worried that they're going to spend too much time on certain little things like each race. Yeah. They're going to do, like, a Dragon Ball kind of thing, where, where it's, like, like 12 races, episodes yeah. of doing nothing. Exactly. So as we mentioned in our previous episode, uh, this anime was suggested to us by Twitter user at Sinok. Thank you, at Sinok. Yes, we appreciate it. It's I've been enjoying the anime, so I appreciate you bringing this to light so that we can watch it. You can find it on Crunchyroll, Hulu, and Anime Planet. The basic plot for those who didn't watch or didn't listen to us in the last episode, mm-hmm. it follows high schooler Onoda Sakamichi as he discovers he has a talent as a cyclist and joins the high school racing team. We left off in the middle of the high school team's tryout bike race, which I believe was like 90 kilometers or something like that. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I know it was... It it was was, really, really long. It It might have been 60 kilometers. No, I think it was a little... Yes. It was 60. It was 60. Yeah. Because he normally bikes 90 to and from Akihabara. But uh, that's at a time he only does about 45. So he was like, oh crap, 60? That's even more than I do. And this is like super uphill and downhill and all that kind of good stuff. But... We left off with Onoda in dead last. Basically, he'd been passed by everybody because he was on his mamachari and just couldn't keep up. The episode that we left off on was super stressful. Like, you really felt for him. He was desperate because he was trying to keep up, and mm-hmm. everybody just left him behind. Like, everybody's like, we're sorry, but we're going to go ahead because they are on road racers. They're on the proper bikes. Yeah, and he's not. He's just on his old mamachari. Yep. And it was like, you felt bad for him because he was really, really trying, and he just could not do it. And, and the whole not thing... not by himself. Yeah. It was just because of his equipment. Exactly. And the thing is, like, he's thought he... He had this talent and realizing that his bike was letting him down so much it was just like heartbreaking for him and the watchers because you're just like going man right you want this guy to succeed you finally see him get some confidence and it just gets ripped away from him exactly people who are watching the anime you kind of already knew that the recovery van had a spare speed racer that was actually going to be lent to him to use so at this point he's failing miserably all of a sudden his bike chain breaks and like the van catches up to him and they're trying to tell him like hey hold on stop we have something for you but he's scared to death of this recovery van because he thinks it means he's out of the race he's not going to make the team and he's like extremely upset about this yeah he's like on the verge of tears like no i can do this i can do this you go from a guy who just doesn't care about biking doesn't know anything about it he just wanted an anime club to all of a sudden he cares so much about trying to make this team and complete this race that he freaks out and tries to just continue on almost hurts himself 
But luckily, they pulled in front of him and they pulled the bike out and they were like, hey, we were supposed to give this to you at the beginning of the race. We We just, we were late, Yep. you know, and everything changed. You know, it was just like, ah, and everything was good. He was super happy. Yeah, he was happy. And they're just like, if you get on this bike now and take off, you can still make it. Yep. I think he was a total of like 13 minutes behind. He had been eight minutes behind and then they gave him like another five minute rest break. So in total, he was like 13 minutes behind everybody. That's a pretty good distance to have to make up. It is, but he did. He took off and he moved all the way up from last place to third Mm -hmm. behind Imaizumi and Naruko. The captain of the team kind of gave him some advice that like, hey, if you really want to catch up to those two and you even want to have a chance, you need to at minimum increase your cadence by 30 RPM. And that's crazy because he's a new person, never rode a road racer before, and he's already got an iffy cadence because he's just not used to it. And he's telling him he's going to do even more so than that. That's just insane. I didn't realize that a cadence was an important thing. I didn't either. So apparently it is. It's like tempo, I guess. Yeah, it's the tempo of which you pedal your bike. For those who are not bike smart like yeah, me. <laughs> or RPM, you know, uh, rotations per minute. He's he's not doing it on his own by any means. He's been getting help throughout this race. And when he finally catches up to Naruko, he still knows he's a little ways behind Imaizumi. And he doesn't want to leave Naruko behind. But Naruko says, hey, you need to go ahead. You need to go do this. Your racing skills rely on climbing hills. That is all you. Do what you can to beat him. And he gives him like a little secret advice to kind of help him boost his way up right once he does catch up to Mm -hmm. imaizumi and the thing about naruko naruko is a sprinter so as they're going up this hill portion of Mm -hmm. the of the race he's just not being able to keep up so he knows that onoda can do it because he's a climber so he's like you know you need to do this for me because i'm not going to be able to get up to the top and you need to win at least something And we also learn that when you reach the top of the mountain, you get this special jersey and you become the king of the mountain. Yeah, exactly. And it's a big deal because it's, you know, you you get recognized for this entirely different thing, even if you don't win the race itself. Yep. So Naruko's like, you can do this. And so they, he he gets up to Imaizumi and they end up kind of racing each other to the peak. And Onoda's really, really pushing himself. He's giving it his all to try to get up there and pass him. And he's keeping up, and they're like neck and neck. The little tip that Naruko gave Onoda was when Imaizumi stands up and starts doing his dance, that was like the cue for Onoda to do the same thing, to really keep up with him. And all of a sudden, again, first time on a road racer, first time all of a sudden just knowing how to do a dance on a bike. And he was like completely different but he does it and a dance is when you stand up on the bike mm-hmm. and pedal yeah, so hard. it's called dancing because the bike ends up going it sways left and right underneath just a little you bit going. yeah yeah i didn't know that's what it was called either if that's really officially what it is or isn't called but well that's what they call it in japan apparently yeah. this whole time he's like i said he's gotten a bunch of advice from everybody and it really helps him succeed and he ends up winning the king of the hill he does by like a, a hair. hair yeah he just barely gets it thing is he ends up like crashing after that because he's just so drained and so worn out he literally falls over on the side of the road and yeah. he's just done his legs can't move he actually ends up having to get picked up by the recovery van but when they pick him up mm-hmm. they're super nice to him about it and they're yeah. like oh you did it you know you're great yeah and the coach ends up giving him the king of the mountain jersey yep but i don't think onoda realized that that's what it was no he didn't yeah because he because the coach was just like here put this on because you're you're, you're, you're sweaty, sweaty and yeah gross, we don't you want know? you to get cold and yeah sick but he got the king of the mountain jersey and yeah. it's amazing because he's this guy who's never thought about it before you go from a guy who's never had 
any friends to now he's got Imaizumi who's kind of becoming his friend and Naruto who like instantly became his friend and at this point Onoda sees Naruto finishing up the part of the hill as well and he has just enough energy to crawl over there and give him a high five as he passes yeah. by. I thought that was really cool. It was because it was like thanks man. You helped me push it, and now I'm giving you back your power that you lent me to get this King of the Hill task done back to you so that you can win the race. Right. For me, you see, I thought that if he lost, he was out of the team in general. Yeah. Because that's what they made it sound like. Probably not on the team per se, but I don't think he could just get kicked out of the club. Well, yeah, see, that's what I I don't know. They didn't, I wasn't too sure about what exactly that meant, but apparently he is still in the club. And I guess he's not on the team. Yeah. So the race finishes. Onoda ended up having to get taken in the van, and that's Mm -hmm. fine. And we don't really care about whoever wins. And so later on, a couple days later or whatever, they're back in the bike club, and they get paired up with older... Third years. Older third years, yeah, who have already been on the team for Mm -hmm. three years. Here's where I think it's kind of cool with how they got paired up. They realized because the first two won, Imaizumi and Naruto were the first two to win the entering race, and Onoda, seeing how much talent he really has, they stick all three of them with the high-level third years. They do. Everybody else just gets paired with the second years. Yeah. And they get paired up with people who also have the same strengths. Exactly. So, Onoda gets paired up with this guy, Makashimi, and he's also uh, a climber. Mm-hmm. And he has this cool nickname. They call him the Peak Spider. Yeah. Because he's, like, super lanky. He's very lanky. Yeah. Super tall. and Yeah, and when he's on his bike, when he dances, he pretty much knocks his bike over on the floor. It's ridiculous. Onoda tries to do the same kind of dance, and he's like, no, you need to stop. You need to just do it your way. Yeah. Find your way of climbing hills and riding your bike and stick to it because that's what's important. Right, and that's good because mm-hmm. he needs to learn to find his own strength and how he does things, and he can't just copy everybody else. It's kind of funny because... Since they're first years and they're having to work with third years, you know, they're they're kind of intimidated. But, like, specifically, Naruto and Onoda are, like, really afraid of Makishima because, like... He's not too friendly. He, he's not. And he's he's tall and he's lanky and he's got this really long, like, wild hair. Yeah. So he has, like, this really presence. Does. And there's a couple times where he, like, they do that, like, anime, like, evil eye kind of, like, look. Mm-hmm. And they also end up finding a hole in the wall, and he comes in, and he catches them looking at it under this poster, and he was like, yeah, that was me. Yeah, but he so doesn't they're e- like, oh no, what yeah, did he do? He just kind of goes, don't tell anybody. <laughs> but like, yeah, he doesn't explain it, so everyone's like freaking out. It ends up that he's actually a nice guy. Yes, he's a little intimidating, because he's a third year, and he's got a whole entire new style, his own style. He teaches him a lot, and he ends up being a huge help later on in a few of the episodes as well. But before we get to what we left off at... You end up getting a little bit more insight to some of the other schools and, like, their teams. There was, like, a competition to find out what school from the different prefects were going to make it to the inner high qualifiers. The third years end up doing the race, just the three of them, instead of, like, the normal five-man team. So all the first years show up to this race, and they're like, why didn't you tell us? We could have been here. We could have helped you win. They're like, we don't need your help to win this. We want to keep you a secret because there's a lot of, like, spies around watching us from other schools. And you end up seeing all the different teams who are just there hanging out. And taking notes and, and taking stuff notes. like that. Trying to be all in secret and figure out ways to beat all the other teams. Yeah. Which is what you should be doing if you're going to be in a race like that. Exactly. You don't meet them per se, but you kind of get the different school colors. There's actually just this one team I wanted to hit on. This guy, he got a phone call from the guy who was scouting for him. And he's like this really sinister like looking guy. He's got like this wicked smile and like really dark face. I think he's going to end up being like the main 
the main villain. obstacle yeah, or of something. this arc, yeah, mm-hmm. or of this season, I should say. They're probably going to end up going up against him last, mm-hmm. and it'll be crazy. He looks crazy. Yeah. The way he, like, smiles is really just kind of sadistic. So after they do all that, then we get the obligatory training camp arc, <laughs> as they always do, which we were just talking about in the always. last episode. I guess it's just a shonen thing. Training camps for everybody. Everybody's going to learn something sometime. Yeah, I think it's just, it's probably what they do in Japan. Mm-hmm. You know, they probably always have these things. I wish we had them here. It would be useful, but I don't think anybody would go here. I would go. <laughs> I'd be the only one. I'd make sure I learned something new. But this is a crazy, like, camp, though. They travel really far from their school to go to, like, an actual, like, bike course that's meant specifically for speed racers or road racers. It is. And they have to go a thousand kilometers in four days in order to pass this training camp mm-hmm. and be able to participate in the inter-high race. Yeah. Like- so that's confusing for me, too, because if they... If they didn't pass the original, the welcoming mm-hmm. race, yeah. how come they can do it if they do the training camp instead? I think it's only for the people who did make it. So Naruto and Imaizumi need to complete this to continue on. Well, but Onoda was there. It. So were the other first years. Yeah. And the, so were the second years. I think that's just them for, if they want to have the chance on top of the fact that... Gotcha. Because like the second years have already done their welcoming race. They didn't need to win that. They're on the team, technically. They need to make sure they do this because then they're good enough to compete in this race. Well, I know that. And I, think I they're was trying just to talking win. about like Onoda. Well, for him, I don't know if he's ever going to get to participate. He's got a lot of skill, but he didn't win the race. And I we don't know if he's going to win this like 1,000 kilometers in four day thing. Yeah. And even if he does... I guess it's just their way of proving themselves. Yeah, that's all it is. I think that's just about proving yourself. You don't know whether or not you can or can't make the team. I see. But it's crazy because not only do they have to complete the 1,000 kilometers in four days, which equals out to 621 miles, the main three characters of first years, Imaizumi, Naruko, and Onoda, all have like... They have handicaps, basically. Yeah, I was going to say, like, defects on their bike that were intentional. Yeah, well, they were their bikes were modified. Yeah, there you, know, you go. You could say. So that way, it would take away their strengths, mm-hmm. and they'd have to kind of figure out how to deal with that in order to get past their challenges. Yes, well, I think Naruto, they took away his handlebars, so he only had to use, like, regular flat handlebars. So yeah, he couldn't get his, like... straight pole. Yeah, he couldn't get down low, so he was having to battle the wind the whole time because he's a sprinter, so they're trying to make him stronger. Right, so he can't change his stance. Mm-hmm. And then with Imaizumi, they took away his gears. Yeah, they took away all of his gears, so yeah. he was stuck on one gear. So he had to sit there. He couldn't make it easier for himself going up and down all these other things. That's quite the challenge, too, having no gears for someone who special and just knowing their bike and knowing which gear to switch to and all that kind of stuff not having those to do the hills is rough then with poor onoda he doesn't even know all this stuff no he has no idea they ended up making they gave him like a weighted front tire so it's everything's heavier for him Mm -hmm. and he can't push himself his cadence is super low his bike is sluggish and he has no idea why yeah he doesn't get it he's just like well Imaizumi and Naruto were told that they were going to have a handicap. Right. Onoda wasn't. So he had no idea to look for it. And then when he probably should have noticed by his like third lap, he still didn't. Yeah. And again, here comes Makishima to the rescue, who wasn't supposed to say anything to him. Right. He's but like, he kind of... He was trying to hint at it, yeah. and Onoda wasn't getting it. No. So he was like, well, I guess I can just talk to myself here. And he kind of told him exactly mm-hmm. what was happening. And then Onoda was like, oh, you know, the light bulb exactly. went off. And so he figured out how to fix it. But again, mm-hmm. he didn't figure out how to fix it on his own. He Makishima had, had to tell him how to fix it. Yeah. And then he also <laughs> kind of showed him how to use his gears to be beneficial to him as well. But it worked out. 
we saw that he was on par with everybody else in their in their laps. A little lower than most, but yeah, he's he's almost there. If he finds a way to get through the next three days, he has a chance. Yeah. To really get there. I can't imagine having to bike 621 miles. In four days. Right. That's That's crazy. It's it's over 150 miles a day. That's ridiculous. It's just, yeah. Wow. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. I can't, I can't even drive that far in a day. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like, (laughs) this is ridiculous. Yeah, that's actually really crazy. So that's where we left off. Mm -hmm. It was the end of the first night. Or the end of the first day. That's like biking to LA and back from where we used to live. Yeah. So, so that's where we left off, and I wanted to keep watching it. I wanted to get more into the show. I want to see how the training camp finishes because I always love how people come out of training camp stronger and better, and I want to see them get into a competition and see how it goes. But we kind of have a rule where we only watch to where we're supposed to watch because if we watch more, we learn more, and it might like alter the way we want to talk, talk about. about. Yeah, but I will say that we're going to continue watching this, yes. at least for the first season, just because we want to see what happens. Yeah, This I is enjoy a good it. show. Like I said, it's a little slow, mm-hmm. but with all the slowness, you get all the detail that wouldn't necessarily be there if the speed was faster. Yep. So I like details, and it's mm-hmm. helpful. So I look forward to seeing how everything goes. As you can already tell, I've said it a few times now that I, I really do like the show, slow or not slow. It's something I want to keep watching. There are two seasons to this show. There's actually going to be a third season that comes out in January of next year. There's also three anime films out now, mm-hmm. and a fourth anime film set for this August to come out, which is ridiculous. It's because, like Naruto. Yeah, like I didn't realize the show was that big. I know. You know, it's right? like the universe that this show comes in is enormous. It's huge. It is. It's really big. It's so big that there's going to even be a live action TV show yep. that also comes out this August. So it's like all of this stuff to just immerse you into the world of Yoamushi Battle. And we are just now finding out about this anime. It's full episode episodes ago so like a couple episodes back and we're going man cool they got a season out maybe two seasons that we can watch and also yeah. you realize there's a third <laughs> season on its way it's got four anime films almost here it's gonna right. have a live action and on top of that it has a 3ds game there is it's called yoamushi pedal asue no high cadence and it's a visual novel again i don't know japan's got a thing about visual mm-hmm. novels like they're fun i don't really like them oh do you like them i think they're fun as long as the story is interesting i like being able to control where the story goes and it gives it re-readability because you can choose the other option the second time through like i guess it wouldn't be that big of a deal for me if the characters moved around on the screen more mm-hmm. but with these ones it's just the two characters talking like from the chest up and they just kind of talk so it's like i don't know it's not enough motion for me i guess to keep me interested but you know that's that's if you like them you like them and now there's a yoamushi pedal game for that there's also a mobile game for it called yoamushi pedal petite racers where you collect cyclists to win races so it's like you're building up your team to win and you can get different skins for different team members and all that kind of thing. Different schools with different racers. and it yeah, sounds it, fun. It actually looks like a fun game when I was looking at the trailers. So yeah. It seems like a very well-made mobile game. Okay. Well, I don't know if I'll ever get the games, but they seem interesting. I was thinking the mobile game would have been more like Flappy Bird, kind mm-hmm. of, where you just kind of tap and try to get your character to go over obstacles or switch yeah. positions or, I don't know, something. It could have been one of those games where it's like uh, Dance Dance Revolution, but like you have to hit the signals, and oh, the more like goods and grades game? you get, yeah, yeah. the faster you go. If you mess them up, you slow down type of thing. You could have gone that route, too. 
I hope that they have the music in it though, because mm-hmm. I I really like the ending song. It's fun. You yeah. know, it's like really upbeat and just kind of. It is. It's know. good. I like it's it. Enjoyable. If you guys continue to watch with us, make sure you send us a message on Twitter or Facebook. Let us know what you think, and maybe give us some more uh, selections for animes that you guys watch, because we will definitely watch them, and then we'll give you guys a shout out in an episode. Moving on from Yoamushi Petal, we also started our new anime, which is Tokyo Ghoul very popular anime in the last couple of years. We watched episodes one through six, and this is another one of those series where there's only 12 mm-hmm. episodes. So it'll be exciting to get to see the ending for the show. Yep. Like, I don't know, I get to feel more closure than in being able to give my entire opinion of the show when mm-hmm. it's a short season like that. It makes a big difference. It does, than only being able to see a portion. Like I said, with Yoamushi Pedal, we only got to see a third of the first season. And so we didn't like, even get to complete. It's like training. Yeah. So we don't necessarily know what that ended like, so we can only give you guys half of opinion. Exactly. But we'll write a blog on the rest of it mm-hmm. when we're done, so at least we'll get some closure in that form. Yeah. But with Tokyo Ghoul, uh, we found it on Hulu, and it's also on Anime Planet. This time, with the captions on Hulu, it's not bad. No, I don't know if it was just like that uh, One Punch Man was newer or something, but like... Yeah, I don't know, those captions wasn't terrible. were not good. They, weren't, they were bad on One Punch Man, but like, on this one, yeah, they're like spot on. They're yeah. actually really good for once. It is. I, they don't bother me at all, mm-hmm. and they're very easy to read and see and everything. And yep. Yeah, I don't mind them, so yeah. it's, it's good on Hulu this time. Alright, so Tokyo Ghoul started as a mongola... Mongola. Mongola. Tokyo Ghoul started as a manga in Weekly Young Jump. Which is interesting for me because when you start to watch the show, it mm-hmm. tells you it's for mature audiences. It's, it's definitely graphic. It is. So it's like, the fact that it was in Young Jump, mm-hmm. it's, it, I don't know. I don't know It doesn't either. really make sense to me. No. It came out in 2011 and then became an anime in 2014. The plot is about Kaneki Ken who turned into a half ghoul, half like human, and he must adapt to the new world that he's thrown in. And this is another thing about being in Young Jump. Kaneki Ken is a college student. Yes. So it's interesting that they would have Young Jump, a a manga in Young Jump, with a college student as the protagonist. Maybe Young Jump's meant for, like, young adults versus, like, what we're thinking Young Jump might be for, like, young teens. Just saying. So... Kaneki is a shy college student, and we end up hearing about these ghoul attacks on the news while he's in a coffee shop. Mm -hmm. And so, with us, that's all we've known about it so far. So it's like, is this a new thing? Are they around all the time? You know, because he's Mm -hmm. uncomfortable about it, but it, it doesn't seem like, whoa, what? Like, this is a brand new incident or something like that. And he ends up going on a date with this girl he's had a crush on in the coffee shop, and she turns out to be a ghoul. Yeah. And she tries to eat him, and she takes him into this construction site and, like, kicks his ass, you mm-hmm. know? And he does not have a good time. And all of a sudden, since they're in a construction site, all these beams fall down on top of them and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it ends up killing her. He's, like, destroyed. He goes to a hospital, and they end up... We hear, like, these disembodied voices. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, we gotta save him. Let's do transplants, and we'll put these organs in, and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And then he wakes up. And he's a half ghoul. Yeah, everything he eats is nasty. So it turns out that they used her organs Mm -hmm. to fix him. Because I don't think they knew that she was a ghoul. I don't think they did either. Right. So now he's, this is where he is. He's a half ghoul, half human. They kind of break it down a little bit for you as the show goes on. Like, there's actually, like, different types of classes of ghouls. So there's, like, S-class, which are, like, I guess, extremely dangerous. And the one that was trying to kill 
uh, Kaneki was known as a binge ghoul, basically. Yeah. They, they ate more than they needed to, because like, the way they describe it, a ghoul can eat once and be good for like about a month, if not more. Right. Depending on how, how they ate, but she just eats and eats and eats and doesn't stop. And then in the very, very, very start of the show, she actually gets attacked by a different one who's known as another S-Class, but he's he goes by like a, a Jason is what they called him. Yeah, so I don't know if that's his name no, or if it's that's not his, his name. class. I think it's it's his class. So she was a binge, he's a Jason, and I think a Jason's someone who's like, I don't know, just like a psychotic killer. I guess then, like, like Jason big, Voorhees? Yeah, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. You run into another one later on known as a gourmet, mm-hmm. who I guess eats their own kind along with humans, but they do it in like a buffet type, not a buffet, uh, like a plated style, so it's like prepared fine dining for you. Yeah, kind of thing. exactly. Yeah, they take pride in their food. Exactly. So it's, it is really interesting, and mm-hmm. the thing that I also find really interesting, so they're kind of like vampires. They mm-hmm. blend in, except that they can go out during the day, Yeah. but you can't tell that they're ghouls until they're getting ready to feed. Their eyes turn black, and they get... Well, the the scleras of their eyes turn black, Mm -hmm. the white part. And then the actual irises turn red. Yeah, bright red. Yeah, and they get, like, these spiderweb kind of vein things Mm -hmm. popping out, and it looks really creepy. It does look creepy. They also have these weird weapons that are, like, part of their body. It's Mm -hmm. called a kagune, and it's, like, weird tentacle it seems like things. it's unique to each individual ghoul too but that doesn't come out unless they're fighting unless they want it to so it's really easy to hide as a human mm-hmm. and the thing is though is like it seems like everybody's just kind of okay with the fact that these ghouls are around and they just kind of randomly kill people you know it's what I not, mean? It's not okay. I just don't think people know what to do and can't really do anything about it. Yeah. Because they, they, it's shown very early on that human-made weapons cannot hurt a ghoul. Which is another thing, because if they can't, like if kitchen knives and other sort of blades like that can't do anything to the ghoul's skin, mm-hmm. why did those beams kill her? Because that's just iron. Maybe she got crushed. Maybe. Like versus being able to be slashed. Well, I don't know. I guess. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Loophole. Anyway, back to the story, though. So, Kaneki's a half ghoul, mm-hmm. and he ends up finding these friendly ghouls who run the coffee shop of all places. Not necessarily friendly, but they're more willing to help kind of, like, take care of him because they want to work more on coexisting than right. being on a rampage. Well, to me, ghouls that want to coexist with humans are friendly. Yeah, but the one he runs into, the girl, I can't think of her name right now, is she's kind of cold. Yeah, she is. There's something just off. Like, she she wants to be nice, but it seems like something's happened in her yes. past life that's made her sheltered and closed off. Yeah, th- there has been some giant tragedy that has made her the way that she is. And mm-hmm. we don't know what that is yet. Yeah. But I'm sure we will find out before the season ends. So, he finds these friendly ghouls. These ghouls that want to coexist with humans and just kind of be at peace, you know. And he tries to adapt to not eating people and pretend to be human, And basically. what makes these particular ghouls that run this coffee shop they they service ghouls they service humans and a a weird thing the ghouls like they they hate human food they can't eat it it's bad for them it's Mm -hmm. but they love coffee but this person who runs the coffee shop and these ghouls that are friendly they eat like suicide victims that they find off of this like hill where people kill themselves yeah and other things they don't kill the humans but if they find a dead human they'll Mm -hmm. eat it Exactly. So that's, I mean, you know, that's how scavengers, they and it's the way that they do it. So it's not a bad way to do it. But there's also hostile ghouls, mm-hmm. like we were talking about before, with the the binge eating and the gourmets, and mm-hmm. you know, all these other random people, the Jasons, and 
the first time we see them, we find the hostile ghouls. Obviously, well, with the date, she was the binge eating. Mm-hmm. She was not friendly at all. Yeah. <laughs> but once he's turned into a half ghoul, he runs into a bunch of others that are also hostile, and they basically just get into a turf war. Like the one he runs into, he's like col- he's a fellow college student, and he's like a sophomore versus Kaneki, who's a, a freshman in a sense. He's mm-hmm. he's not evil. He's not. A he's mean just a person. He's, yeah, he's just rude. He really is. He's just like, what are you doing here? This is my spot. It's it's like the weak bully who overplays how strong he is by just having a massive attitude, and right. you don't know that he's weak until you finally decide to fight him and stand up for yourself. Right. Kaneki ends up going back to school like normal, and he ends up finding this guy mm-hmm. after he's re- he's in like the medical department or something, and he ends up trying to kill Kaneki and Kaneki's human friend. They get in this huge fight in this alley, and it's just, it's ridiculous, because it's like, why is this happening? You know? It's just because he's a jerk. just a jerk. Yeah, pretty much. And so it's like, the world is very different once you are a ghoul. You see all these things that you never, Mm -hmm. never even thought existed or never had to worry about before. Yeah, and what's weird about that fight, too, by the way, is the college student, the sophomore, it's not like he wanted to kill Kaneki. He seemed like he just wanted to hurt him by killing his friend and eating him. Pretty because much. he knocks his friend out and he goes and like he's stomping and he's beating on his friend and he just kind of keeps knocking Kaneki down and at the point he goes, if you don't stop trying to fight me, I'm going to kill you. Just let it be. Because he's trying to just make the guy accept that he's a ghoul now. Kaneki ends up unleashing like his raw power, which ends up being stronger than this bully. And he ends up almost killing that guy. And the guy's like, you need to stop. You're going to kill me. And like, you think he does. And it's like, so you're afraid of him killing you, but you're doing the same exact thing. Exactly. So it's like, what? Why? Mm -hmm. Hello? You know? So everything ends up well. His human friend lives. He ends up living. The college student ends up living. That first little mini arc of, oh, crap what's happening finishes out okay then we find this new guy he's a gourmet ghoul Mm -hmm. which is what we were talking about earlier and he ends up being a predator towards kaneki because he's got this scent that's different than what he's used to right and he's like he's really creepy yeah and he's like oh you smell different yeah he's like obsessed with french culture and Mm -hmm. stuff so he keeps using french words and he's all about food and Mm -hmm. whatever and Kaneki has the scent about him, and he's like, I want to taste that. Yeah. You know, and he just gets hooked, like, instantly. He gets really obsessive and really stalkery, and he tries to be friends with him. Doesn't work, but mm-hmm. he's not really being friends with him. No. He's just trying to get close exactly. to get unsuspecting. Same and... way his first encounter with the ghoul did in the first place. Right. She was friendly, bathed him with books, took advantage of him. So he ends up taking him to this, like, dining club, and was going to eat him in front of all of these other... Well, he was going to share, share him. him. Yeah, yeah, with all these other gourmet ghouls mm-hmm. in this arena fight club looking thing. And then he's like, you know what? I want him for myself because he is so different and unique and special. Yeah. And well, so... Because he ends up finding... He didn't know he was a half ghoul. I think he just right. smelt... He thought he was a human that smelt interesting. He lets Kaneki go, in a way. And he ends up trying to get Kaneki by kidnapping someone, this lady that he sees Kaneki talking to. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that that's the college student's girlfriend, the one that was being a jerk to him before. Yep. So they end up having to team up and rescue the lady and kill the gourmet ghoul Mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And the fight was actually really cool. It was. You end up finding out... The ghoul he originally, the college student that he got in a fight with earlier, is still feeling weak, still trying to recover from the beating he got from Kaneki because he hasn't been able to eat on any humans and he- eating humans is like drinking blood as a vampire it it regenerates you it gives you helps your healing wounds 
gives go you extra faster. power. Yeah, it gives you extra powers is what makes them unleash their... Kagunes. Kagunes. The girl that he works with at the cafe shows up to help, and she's really strong, and she's on par with this gourmet. Right. But the thing is, she hasn't eaten. She's sick from eating human food by accident because she was trying to keep her human identity alive, in a sense. And Kaneki ends up letting her Take chomp into him. Take a bite out of him. him. Yeah. Yeah. And so they end up killing the gourmet guy. Yes. But after, like, a really, really Intense close battle. Fight. Yeah. And this was interesting for me because we were watching it on Hulu. Yeah. And you could tell that they censored out a bunch of parts. Certain things. Like, it looks like he gets, like, the gourmet gets sliced in half, you feel like. Yeah. Something. There's a lot There's of blood everywhere. There's something going on with his face. And, yeah, like, he and was missing it, something. And We don't know if it was a natural part of the thing and it was just meant to never be shown. No, I don't think so. Because it's a Hulu-based thing. Yeah. It might have been the American, maybe because of Funimation. Mm-hmm. They might have censored it. But too you can much, tell. Even though it's supposed to be TVMA, but that was still right. too much. Much. Yeah, because the way that it was censored was extremely obvious. There were just mm-hmm. like specific shadows put where shadows would not have been. Normally. You know, exactly. And then there was like lens flares and lighting effects where they would mm-hmm. not have been because this is an anime and that's all extremely accurate. Yep. So you could tell that those were not supposed to be there. Yeah. But it was like, if this is a TVMA, why, why are they censoring it? Yeah. I want to see the damage that happened to this guy's face. Um, there's actually two other girls. There's this, like, husband doctor who you end up finding out is trying to help this, the Jason that we mentioned earlier get a tool back that he uses to fight other ghouls with. Yeah. And he ends up having a, a wife and daughter that he sends away to the cafe to be taken care of. I thought they were human. I didn't think they were human because you end up seeing the daughter eat flesh, remember? Oh, that's right. So they get into a situation with what's known as doves. Doves are like the human anti-ghoul fighting squad in a yeah. sense. Um, they have, like, I guess, unique weapons, which you end up finding they use against the Jason when they meet him later on to kill ghouls. It's because it's got, like, ghoul properties, I guess. It's yeah. like they took the Kagune and they turned him into weapons, which is actually really cool if it you is. think about it. Yeah, because it's like, how did they do that? Yeah. <laughs> but here's where, again, you find a different kind of ghoul. So these, more often than not, the Kaganes we've seen have been, like, a dark purple or a red. Yeah, they look more, like, fiery type di- of yeah, like, thing. That can or be like, solidified. Yeah, but or, like, shadows. They're dark. They're red and purple. But these two specifically, the husband and wife... Were like yellow, golden. They looked more like flesh. Kinda, yeah. Yeah, like tentacles of it, some sort. Exactly. It was like it was unique. Um, kind of like a, a egg wash, like white. Yeah. So I was like, are they natural ghouls? Like, what's are the they, difference yeah. between these guys? Like, they, like, is it because they're good? Yeah. You know, they've always been good. They've never done any harm. Who knows? And that's, hopefully they'll explain that later on. Yeah, because like he said, those were the only ones that we've seen this color mm-hmm. and this kind of texture. So it's yeah. different, you Way know? Way different. The girl from the cafe has, uh, like, wings. The mm-hmm. gourmet had, like, a purple ribbon. And Kaneki's got, like, spider claws. So we'll see as the show goes on. But, like, to me, that was all very unique. And hopefully we'll learn a little bit more about the, the doves and the kind of weapons they have and... Hopefully they'll be able to see more fights because I, that's where it's starting to get really interesting now. Yeah, I really enjoy the fighting mm-hmm. sequences. I think they're done very well. Yeah, um, they're interesting to watch, and I really like this show. I like this show a lot better than Yoamushi Petal. Mm-hmm. I think just because it's more on the paranormal dark side. Yeah. kind of things. We are supernatural fans, so. Well, yeah. So yeah. I mean, I guess that makes a difference. Yeah, and it's also because it's it's more older based. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's a college student. There's more adult <laughs> themes going yeah. on in this well, show. I quite enjoy the show. I do feel like it's a little slow, and I understand that you're trying to establish the characters and stuff like that. But it's a 12 episode right thing. 
you're spending six episodes just trying to explain who they are, what doves are, what the different classes are. Exactly. It's not progressing fast enough for me that I feel like it's, when it hits the 12th episode, I don't know if I'm going to be satisfied. Yeah, I was thinking that too. It should be, it should probably be a longer series. Like a 24 series. episode yeah. series. But there is a second season mm-hmm. that just came out in this January, this last January. And the universe for Tokyo Ghoul is also on the larger side. It mm-hmm. has three light novels. It's got a prequel manga, a sequel manga, and two different OVAs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot more it's to really it. It's really in-depth, and depending on how you want to go about it. And the prequel manga actually has to do more with um, the Dove characters. Mm. So it's interesting because you'll get some side stories and some history about yep. other things. So check them out. Let us know if you guys like them or don't. Yeah, give us some opinions on Tokyo mm-hmm. Ghoul. We would love to, if we get some, yeah. you know, we could read them out on on the show and yeah. and give everybody some shout outs. And this is one that I've heard about Tokyo Ghoul before, and I remember reading an article uh, about a Tokyo Ghoul cafe that got opened up in Japan a while back, but we never thought about watching it until one of our friends suggested it to us. So really, both of these shows have been suggestions from listeners of our podcast. So try to give us more feedback. Give us shows that you guys want us to watch, and we are more than willing to watch them and kind of go over them with you guys. Yeah, I totally forgot to mention this anime was suggested by Brandon. So thank you, Brandon, via Facebook. Um, He entered our birthday competition, Mm -hmm. and one of the things you had to do to enter was give us a suggestion, and that's what he did. So, thank you. This was a very good choice. A very good choice. It's a great anime so far, and I look forward to watching the next six episodes. Moving on from anime, Mm -hmm. we found a couple of cool things to talk about. The first of which is this phone. Yeah. It's (laughs) It's a robot phone. It's an awesome phone, by the way. It is. It's an expensive phone. It is. So, it's called the Robohone, and it's made by the Japanese company Sharp, and it's a little robot dude that Mm -hmm. hangs out. He's eight inches tall. It's a smartphone, but he's like your friend. It's amazing. It's it's awesome. Primarily, it's voice controlled, but it has a touchscreen on its back. It can make phone calls, emails, camera. It even has a projector in its head. All of these things are really cool, and it talks to you. So, like, it goes, Hey, you have a message. And then it reads you out the message. Yeah. From what the video we were watching, it seems like it's really advanced. It is meant to be your friend. It's your alarm clock that wakes you up and tells you Ohio and. All that other kind of good stuff. Yeah. It's really neat. It, it's like the coolest thing ever. Like, if they make some more advancements to mm-hmm. it, it, it would be like, I don't know, I, I want one. I want one already. The thing is, is that it could have some better specs. Mm-hmm. The, as we mentioned, it does have a touch screen on its back, but it's only two inches. So, I mean, that's not there's great. not a lot of space to work with there. Yeah. Also, the pixel resolution on it is only 320 by 240, mm-hmm. which is extremely small. Yes, So, yes you know, that's like old, old flip phone mm-hmm. status, you know what I mean? So, that could be upgraded. And the processor that it uses is a Snapdragon 400. For those who don't know, that's a really low-end processor for entry-level smartphones. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it is a smartphone, but it's definitely not on par with like an iPhone or a well, Galaxy. And it makes a lot of sense that it is like that because this phone itself is already eighteen hundred dollars a month. Yes. Or sorry, eighteen hundred dollars out the out the box plus six dollars a month for the voice recognition features. Yeah. And so with that being that expensive of a phone, not including the phone plan you would need to have on top of that from whatever company you use, mm-hmm. 
if you put in high-end products to make this phone like top-notch you're looking yeah. at probably four thousand dollars right and so i understand because it is just they're testing mm-hmm. you know and they're like let's see if anybody would even buy this yeah you know? i want it oh i do too like if it, we were in japan mm-hmm. we would probably have one it's creepy though because in the video it shows you it doesn't even look like it needs to be prompted to take a photo like it shows them at a barbecue and it decides to wake itself up and goes hey i'm gonna take some photos of you guys and just starts taking pictures of people yeah it gets your attention and it goes justin smile and it'll take your picture picture. yeah it's it's like what but it's so cool at the same time because it's like it makes it so you don't have to remember to do it right and in the commercial also this woman was looking at pictures it was projecting pictures on Mm -hmm. her on her table or whatever and she's flipping through them and she starts to cry and it looks at her and it goes oh don't be sad are you okay you know and it's like what and then it, like, it tells her that it loves her and stuff yeah it's like it's okay i love you yeah. we're friends you it's know really it's cool. like it's amazing but it's also really creepy once you get past that kind of creepy factor it would be awesome to have a little robot friend mm-hmm. you know it's great i want this phone i just don't have two thousand dollars laying around no if i have two thousand dollars it's gonna be to go to japan not to yes. buy a robo phone well we could use the money to go mm-hmm. to japan and play with the phone yes exactly <laughs> you know besides this you know what what's not to me which is kind of creepy that it's so successful is the virtual idol hatsune miku it's creepy it's creepy why because it's just a hologram that sings to you in concert well, I guess. Like, so, and, and on top of it, it's imaged as, like, a 16-year-old girl. Okay, that part is a little creepy, but and if this you... this fan base is huge. Yes, but the thing about her being so young, if you look at other pop idol, J-pop idol groups, they're all very young. They're yeah. all 15, yeah, they are. 16, 17 max, you know? Because mm-hmm. that's just what they do, I guess. I don't know. That's what they're geared towards, the younger people. Mm-hmm. But Hatsune Miku... If you don't know who she is, you've probably seen her pictures and mm-hmm. you just don't realize that it's her. She has very, very long turquoise pigtails mm-hmm. that go down like all the way to her feet. Um, she wears this dress that's like black and white and she's a vocaloid is what she's known as. Mm-hmm. She's been around for 10 years, actually. This is going to be... is crazy. Yeah, this is going to be her 10th anniversary. But the cool thing about it is that she's being added to music textbooks for 2017 mm-hmm. in Japan. That's amazing. Like, she is a part of music history now. She's been around for so long, and the technique on how she works is so advanced, because it's literally a computer singing. You got the base of the Japanese language, and then now this thing can synthesize all all the sounds it wants to make a song. Well, not what it wants, what you want. What you want, but yeah. like... You program it, her I'm not to sing. singing for the hologram. It just took the bass hiragana from me and then turned it into real words in a song, and that's just crazy. It is. It's amazing, really. And you can change the tone and whatnot, so like, it's a huge part of music history and deserves to be in a textbook. So the textbook itself is Music for High School Students 1, and it talks about voice synthesizing technology and how you can now create entire songs without needing singers. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing. You know, the fact that you can do this now. And the so, thing is, too, she's not alone anymore. She has, like, three other partners, technically, as well, right? Yeah, I think there's actually four, now four that total? I think about it. Yeah, four I think with there's, her? Oh, I think there's four other Vocaloids. Oh, wow, so there's five with her. I think so. That's crazy. I could be and, wrong, but I'm pretty sure. And I remember you one, mentioning one of them's a boy. Yes. Which is awesome, because yeah. it's not just sticking with the female theme. Exactly. It's kind of nice, because you mm-hmm. get some variety. And they all have different tones and different voices, and it's, you know what I mean? It's really great that... It's gotten so far in 10 years, and I can see it only getting better with technology. 
the software first came out in 2007, they put a name to her and they made a, her character with the Vocaloid 2 software. Because mm-hmm. there was a Vocaloid 1, but it didn't do all that great mm-hmm. because it was just, you know, it was just this music program. Yeah. So Japan being what it is and trying to always create mascots and characters for inanimate objects, they were like, let's make a character for this and it'll probably help people grasp everything. Yeah. So that's where she came from. And her name actually means first sound from the future. So it kind of goes together because that's what she is. That's really cool. Digital singer. Her character is actually an android. So Mm -hmm. it makes sense because she is a robot. So she has a robot voice. Yeah. We mentioned her before in a previous episode. And I remember mentioning this as well that she appeared on David Letterman, Mm -hmm. which had mixed reviews. Yeah, because everybody was like, I don't know. I mean, it was cool. It's a huge hit in Japan. And. A lot of things that are huge hit in Japan don't necessarily take off here in America right. so much. Which is unfortunate. It is unfortunate. But we, in particular, love the Japanese culture, so I would have loved to have been at the Letterman Show to see that. It would have cool. been amazing. And not everybody is as open as we are to other cultures. Yeah. But I'm assuming if you guys are listening to our show, you are enthused by the Japanese culture, and you should go try to find that episode, listen to it, and then also find her on Letterman. Yeah, we also, we're going to put a link to her YouTube channel, because she does have a YouTube. A lot of the good songs on there, too, in English and in Japanese. Yes, that's another cool thing about the Vocaloid software. It comes in multiple languages, Mm -hmm. so you can make songs in English with it, too. It does sound computerized, because she is a robot, Mm -hmm. you know, but the fact that you can do this is amazing. It's awesome. And the program itself is opened up to anybody. While you may not be able to take it on a tour, uh, because its rights are owned to a specific person and or company right you can still make your own songs yes. with the vocaloid sounds you can upload them and mm-hmm. everything and the thing is because she is singing them you know you could technically say that hatsune miku has over like a hundred thousand songs yep. to her name yep. basically so i mean they're still your songs because you wrote them she's just singing them yep that's the way that it kind of works and she just came off of the u.s portion of the biggest north america tour that she's ever had which was not 10 cities, you know. It's, it's pretty big. It's not that big, but it is huge for a virtual idol. And on from top of Japan. that, a foreign idol in a sense. Exactly. When we tour over to like Japan or when we tour over to Russia or Europe or whatever, we don't have our singers visit 30 cities right. in England. They visit maybe London, one other, and then they're gone. Yeah. So in a sense, her coming here and going to 10 cities is actually pretty big. It is, yeah. It's, it's amazing, and hopefully... It, it did really well and she'll mm-hmm. come to other things and you know that would be awesome because i would love to see her in concert yeah and she also has a symphony concert coming up in tokyo with the tokyo philharmonic orchestra this fall that sounds awesome it does because i think the mixture of the classical music sound would go really well with her digital voice it would mm-hmm. make a really cool mesh she's not the first virtual idol either and i this makes sense to me but like gorillas from six years earlier in 2001 all their videos are always animated characters it's not a hologram but that's how their shows are done too which i heard i didn't know i thought they would at least been at their own concerts but i heard that their concerts are actually the same thing it's just a giant screen with their characters not anymore when they first debuted this was the thing because i remember when this happened because i was going to go to their concert but i couldn't afford it not the point on their first show what it was was a screen and it was showing the music videos and whatever 
And the performers. musicians, the <laughs> performers, yes, yeah. they were behind the screen, and all you could kind of see was their silhouettes back there. To me, I would have been pissed off if I had gone to that show. Yes, and a lot of people were extremely upset, because they were like, well, we didn't know that this is what we were doing. We thought we were going to see a real band, and yep. blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. And so from then on, I think they did the entire first tour that way, and then they changed it, and now they're up in front of the screen playing their stuff, singing their songs, but in the background, instead of showing just, you know, close-up versions of them, it's the music videos and stuff behind them. Yeah. So. That's awesome. But, I mean, you know, they are technically a digital band. Mm-hmm. I mean, not a digital band, but they're an animated band. Yeah, because they're not, their videos aren't them doing the stuff. It's all done by their animated characters. Right. And there's another band that's extremely similar to that, Death Clock. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of them. They had that show, Metalocalypse, on Cartoon Network. Mm-hmm. They are also an animated band. Same concept. They came out in 2007. So they were also out before Hatsune Miku. Well, they were out at the same time. Just about. Yeah, they both came out in 2007. So I don't know if they got the idea for Hatsune Miku from Gorillaz, or if they were working on it like at the same mm-hmm. time. But with Death Clock... You know, when they go on tour, because they actually have gone on quite a few tours, they have all the animated music videos and stuff behind them, and the musicians and stuff up front. So that way you can kind of see them playing, but you know that they're still there. Yeah. You know? They they decided not to make the same mistake that the gorillas did their first year. I'm sure they probably learned. So it's the same concept, yeah. but it's not quite on the same level as Hatsune Miku, because they mm-hmm. still have vocalists and musicians. Yeah. So Hatsune Miku had her first concert in 2009, and it had better success because it was a hologram and not just animation. So it felt more real. Yeah, it's a 3D hologram. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're watching the videos, it looks like a giant anime character actually up on the stage. Yep. Mm-hmm. You can kind of see the screen behind her when you're up close if it's not dark enough, but she's still there in 3D. Yep. And she's dancing around the entire stage, and, yep. you know, it's amazing. It's awesome interacting with the fans. It's it kind of, it's really cool. Yeah, it's amazing that they've done this, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so hopefully they'll continue on, and we'll be able to see more stuff like this, yep. you know? And I it's not so. for everybody, No, but there is a huge... Give it a shot. Yeah. Check out her YouTube video and let us know. I want to hear more of it, and I would love to go see a concert if it's around. If you've ever seen Hatsune Miku in concert... Tell us about it, because that would be an awesome experience. Let us know how the show was, what the atmosphere is like. Is it more of like a rave, or is it just a really fun concert? Is it kitty? Is it adult? Is it just anything? Like, Let us know. Yeah, that'd be fun. We'd love to hear back. You know what's funny, actually, thinking about it? Hmm. Earlier today on Facebook, our friend Clay was just talking about how he wanted the Hatsune Miku guitar pedal. I know. I was. It's just random. We he, haven't talked to him about this episode at all. Yeah. And we just saw that he's like, I need one of these in my life. He's also a big Gorillaz fan. He is. So, you know. It makes sense. If you're a Gorillaz fan and you've never checked out Hatsune Miku, maybe you should. Give it a try. Because you probably like it. Yeah, you probably would. But that's funny. I just, I just remembered that. Yeah. Speaking of adult and slash kid things right now, there's a Pikachu protest going on in China. The reasoning is China has different language versions of Pokemon depending on where you're located. Because China's a very large country. Very large country. With Sun and Moon, Nintendo's changing to only one version of Pokemon. So if you're used to the other versions, mm-hmm. it's going to be An a issue. decent change for you. Because yeah. Pokemon's been around for 20 years. Yeah. It is only going to be in Mandarin 
which is causing issues for a lot of the people who speak Cantonese. They're really holding on to the Cantonese language. They feel like it's fading away. And this is just another step into a reason why it's not going to be there anymore. Right. Especially in Hong Kong. Mm -hmm. And Hong Kong is where they mostly spoke Cantonese. Um, It's such a large city. You know what I mean? It is. And the fact that it's now changing the entire game to Mandarin, you know, from its Cantonese name into a Mandarin name, it's like, wait, what? Yeah. No, I'm used to this. This is 20 years since I've known Pikachu mm-hmm. as this specific name. Yep. I'm not good with Chinese, so I'm not going to pretend it. Yeah. No. But it doesn't, I know that the new name, the Mandarin name, does not sound as close to Pikachu as it did before in mm-hmm. Cantonese. So they're mad about that, but uh, like from what I was reading the article, it's really the fact that it's just Cantonese is already diminishing, and well, this yeah. just further diminishes the language. With all this being an issue, protesters gathered at the Japanese consulate singing the Cantonese Pokemon theme. Which is kind of neat. Like, yeah, it is. If I was at the consulate, I would. it would be kind of nice to mm-hmm. listen to them singing outside. It'd be like Christmas carolers, you know? Yeah. Or like the Who's down in Whoville <laughs> singing the Christmas song. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I can understand their frustration. Not just because their traditional language is being taken away, but because something that they've known for so long is also changing. Yeah. You know? And it's it would be frustrating because it's like, why are you doing this, Nintendo? It'd be like, all of a sudden, Nintendo comes over here and changes Mario to something different. You know? That's what they want to do. But, I mean, it's like, why? You would be kind of annoyed because your would entire be. life you've known that as something else. Or if all of a sudden... They come over and go, you know what, guys? Zelda actually was the guy that you actually play in Zelda. There's no Link, you know? Yeah, It'd right. be like, wait, it's, what? what? <laughs> well, you know, speaking of Mario and Luigi and the fact that they're plumbers, we have some fun toilet news about <laughs> Japan. <laughs> okay. I think that's probably the best one that you've ever done. That Nailed was very it. good. Yeah. Nailed it. Here, high five. High, high five. five on that. All right. So, fun little note. There's... A holy, and I mean like holy as an H-O-L-Y, holy bathroom right now <laughs> at the Warehouse Arcade in Saitama, Japan. There's a video on the article that we linked. Which is super funny. Which is pretty funny. So it's like, you walk up, there's three urinals or whatever, depending on whatever one you walk into. The lights are there, you go use it, and when you walk out, all the lights dim. And then one light shines on that urinal that you used, and all of a sudden, hallelujah starts playing. Yeah, the <laughs> You know, that yeah. whole thing. It's and you're pretty just, freaking like, hilarious. And the beam of light and everything. And it's, it's just like, like, what the heck? <laughs> it's like, why? I guess it's appreciating the fact that you decided to use the urinal and not pee on the floor. I, I don't guess. know. It's hey, just man, like, congratulations. That's an accomplishment for some people. You didn't miss. <laughs> Way to go, you guys. Amazing. You yeah, know. so that, we thought that was just kind of like a what the heck's going on in Japan type thing. Yeah. And that's Meanwhile, awesome. in Japan, yeah, they exactly. have holy toilets. Holy toilets pretty hilarious it is and that reminded me of something that i read recently at the narita airport in tokyo they actually have a toilet gallery Mm -hmm. from toto if you've never heard of toto it is like the main toilet brand from Mm -hmm. japan they're the ones that have all the fancy things with the washlets and the heat and the voice activated stuff and it's amazing they have an entire gallery like i said it's got 10 different toilets 10 different toilet rooms with four different models of toilets, mm-hmm. so that way you can try, try You actually all. can try them out They're yeah. at the airport. So they wanted to share toilet comfort that is so important to Japan to the rest of the world. And they're also trying to show that like their toilets 
while maybe you're it's it's specifically meant for foreigners coming to japan because not mm-hmm. a lot of people are used to toilets that have like bidets and how they use them like the seat warmers and stuff like that so they're trying to like introduce it to people so it's not so weird it's not weird yeah, yeah. I, I admit the first time i ever used one was in japan i was like what the hell is this but you get used to it and it's not that bad and they're trying to show that like we as people need to advance and how we clean ourselves after we use the bathroom because just using basic toilet paper is just not cutting it and it's not hygienic I mean, there's worse places in the world. Yes. Like, I heard in South America, Mm -hmm. instead of throwing their toilet paper away, or in the toilet, they throw it in the trash can next to the toilet. That smells nasty. Yeah. I can't imagine doing that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's, everybody's different, Mm -hmm. and things are weird in different places where you go. Yeah. But. This is a way to be cleaner, and also save the environment. Save the environment. Well, that's toilet paper. Oh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> less toilet paper, less wipes. It's just healthier overall. That's true. No more killing trees. No more trees. Well, no more I mean, killing trees. So there are more trees. Less trees. Yeah. Less trees. <laughs> Anywho, I'm just saying. It's worth giving it a shot. Um, if we could own one here when we get a house, I would try to, but they're a little expensive. They are. Just a little expensive. Because they're fancy and yeah. they're voice activated. And Can you Button imagine pushed and we get like, and stuff like a that. toilet that talks back to you and like mm-hmm. little robot people running around and stuff like Can that? Imagine like, like if you go and it goes, hey, just an analysis of your pee. You need more of this. I'd yeah. be like, what the you hell? You should have some more water in your Stop diet. Stop investigating me. Just let me go to the bathroom. <laughs> I don't need you talking to me. That's what my phone's for. So your phone can talk to you? Yeah. I'd rather have Siri talk to me about the news than the toilet tell me that I need oh. more, like, vitamin D in my system. I guess. That Just makes saying. more sense. <laughs> Enough about toilets and things that go on with them. That about does it for this episode. Thanks for coming in and listening to us. Thanks to everyone who submitted an anime for us to watch. Please send us more at Super Cast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and even leave us comments on our YouTube channel. That'd be cool. Yeah, we could use more stuff like that. We could. We, we, we actually, we want more interaction we from do. people. It's really hard. It <laughs> really hard is to get getting people to interact with you guys. Yeah. But, you know, the more the better. Yeah. So don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Send us a message at supersukoycast at gmail.com. Also, we're on Google Play Music yes, under are. the podcast section. I forgot to mention that. We are. And we have shirts and other stuff at notlg.spreadshirt.com. Definitely get one. Even if you guys don't get our shirts and you decide to get another podcast shirt, go for it. The shirt quality is actually pretty good. It is nice. I've washed my shirt several times and worn it several times, and it still fits. looks great. It's not yeah. faded. Nothing. They're on it's the all thinner really good. side of material. Yeah, it's great for summertime. Comfy. And yeah. Also, make sure to check out Night of the Living Geeks Network at notlg.com. There's a lot of great podcasts on there to check out. Yes, there um, is. We got a couple more new ones, and you mm-hmm. know they're always adding more stuff. Always growing. So, so there's um, going to be something for everybody there. Definitely. Also, thank you to Alex Barroza for our music. We'll put his link down there and check out some more of his stuff. And for now, bye. bye. <laughs>